0: All right, we're going to skip out of Mark. Is that okay? Well, it has to be because that's what we're going to do, okay? <laughs> Sometimes I do you like I do my wife. I ask permission after I've done something. Uh, we're going to go to the ninth chapter of the book of John, and I'm going to tell you why. In Mark, it tells the story of blind Bartimaeus, which is an important, important lesson. Uh, Jesus is actually going into Jerusalem and there, uh, Luke says there's two men. Mark says there's one man. The man's name is blind Bartimaeus. And Jesus gives his sight back to him. He heals him. But when I read that part, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, John 9, came because it is a, it's, it's dialogue between a lot of people. Here's the setting. Jesus is going to restore the sight to a man who had been blind since his birth. The man had never seen the light of day. And when I was thinking about that, I've had people ask me, why did Jesus do miracles? Did he just come uh, to this earth to do miracles to heal some people? And the answer is no. But the miracles that Jesus did, they verified the Messianic prophecy that said Jesus would restore sight to the blind, that he would heal. So it verified the Messianic uh, prophecy. It authenticated his ministry. You see, here was the mark of a prophet. If what the prophet said came true... He was a prophet. If it didn't come true, he was a false prophet. And the issue that Jesus faced is that everything he did came true, was good, was perfect, and yet the religious community still didn't want to believe him. Jesus' miracles glorified God because Jesus said, I've come to do the work of him who sent me, who is God. And finally, it demonstrated Jesus' deity. Now, you know, today there are people that advertise themselves as faith healers. Uh, I'm one of these guys that when I travel, uh, I learned this with my children. When my three boys were young, everywhere we travel, we traveled at night. Because that cured a lot of my anger. You know? Because they were in the back seat asleep. <laughs> and they didn't bother me. You know, it was like I could drive and I listened to, to the radio at night and, and I listened not for being uh, uplifted with what I heard, but it kept me awake laughing. There was the $5 miracle blessing. You send them $5 and tell them your prayer request. They'd send you either a hanket piece of a handkerchief or some holy water. And that would be a $5 miracle blessing. They had them all the way up to a hundred-dollar miracle message. They even had one guy in New York that gave away Cadillacs. He did. People would would testify. I I I sent so much money and I got my Cadillac. And they interviewed this guy one time, and what he did—he was getting so much money in—is about once a month he would pick a spot where maybe the contributions was down and he'd order and pay for a new Cadillac and send it to somebody. You see, that's what's going on today. The faith healers of today, they can't heal like Jesus did. Here's how Jesus healed. Jesus healed with a word or a touch. If you notice, if he didn't touch him, he spoke the word and they were healed. Told one cripple, get up, take your bed and go home centurion came about a daughter that he had. Jesus basically said, right now your daughter is going to be healed. And we don't have to go to your house. So it was a word or a touch. He healed instantly. He healed completely. He healed everyone that came to him. He healed every kind of sickness, disease, infirmity that you could have. And he topped it off by raising the dead. That's who this Jesus was. And yet, as we're going to see today, a blind man, a blind beggar, taught the religious, theological, uh, esteemed Pharisees a lesson. Uh, Here's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn who sinned. We're going to learn what the neighbors said. We're going to learn what the Pharisees said. We're going to learn what the people said, what the parents said, and finally what the man said. Because the setting is a lot of conversations about a man that was healed and a whole lot of people were involved in conversations. And finally, they asked the man what's happening. And that's kind of like in the world today. We'll see something or hear something and we do a lot of talking about it and a lot of summations. And come to a lot of decisions and then only when we ask the person involved do we know the truth. Then there's an invitation and then we're going to see the final response of the Pharisees. Y'all ready to go? All right. Let's put John 9 up here. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Let me tell you where he's at back in John chapter 7, he's at the Feast of Tabernacles. He's going to mention the Pool of Shalom in a minute. That is the pool that supplies the water for the Feast of Tabernacle. That water and that pool comes through Hezekiah's tunnel. It was a tunnel Hezekiah made under the walls in order to bring water into the city of Jerusalem so that if they were ever under siege, they still had water. That tunnel is still there, and the water is just about this deep, and it's very, very cold and very, very dark in that tunnel, I testify. Okay? That's the setting. Let's go. His disciples asked, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, That he was born blind. There was a consensus in Jewish theology that every time there was a sickness or a child was born with any type of physical problem, blindness, deafness, epilepsy, maybe a cripple, whatever it was, it occurred because of sin. That was the Jewish theological mindset. And and is there a lot of that mindset today? Now, I want you to understand that sometimes the results of someone's health problems is from sin. Okay? But you cannot say that every time someone is sick, every time a child is born with a deformity or with a problem, it's because someone sinned. Okay? Don't put people in these boxes and make assumptions. The disciples did. Based on their heritage. All right. Jesus answers them. Neither this man or his parents. Then said Jesus. But this happened. So that the works of God. Might be displayed in him. Now don't take this. That Jesus. Allowed this. Boy. To be born blind. So that years later. When Jesus came to town. Jesus could give, restore his sight. Now, that's not the type of God is, okay? What he's talking about here is that because of his blindness, God would be glorified today because he was in the presence of Jesus and Jesus was going to healing, alright? As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, let me let me stop there. Jesus was simply saying two things. Number one, pretty soon, immediately, within a couple of weeks, he would not be in the world. So while he was in the world, he was to do the works of the one that sent him. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. In fact, Jesus said, we are little lights. We are the fraction of the light. And he's saying, I, the, "I'm not, the light is not always going to be here because I'm going back to heaven. But he's also talking about a time in the, near, in the future when Jesus takes the light out of this world. And, and all hell breaks loose and there's issues and problems. And that light doesn't appear until Jesus himself comes back and sets up his kingdom. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world, okay? Let's go. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Some people say that basically he was doing what he did in creation. If you read in Genesis, man was made from the dust. Now, I don't know if Jesus made new eyes or not, but he took some mud, made mud with saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he's told him, wash in the pool of shalom. This word means, shalom means sent. There's a lot of implications to that we won't go into. That's where he told. Him. So the man went, This the man went in Greek simply means the man immediately went and washed and went home seeing. He did not hesitate. There have been instances, particularly if you remember a leper named Naaman in the Old Testament. Uh, his little slave girl from Israel told him, If you go dip in the Jordan River, you'll be that leprosy would be healed, and his response was, Isn't there cleaner water here that I can get into? He began to argue with the, the solution to his problem. Okay, that's, that's just an inward nation. This man, when Jesus did that and said, go wash, he washed and went home because after he washed, he could see. All right. Ah, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging ask, isn't that the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claim that he was. Others said no. He only looks like him. Can you imagine the neighbors? They all come out of the house. Because he's not walking with a cane, he's not go he's just walking straight, and they can tell they can see. And so the good neighbors gather. Is that the man? No, it can't be the man. Why would they say that? Well, the man was blind from birth. So it can't be him, he can see. Others said it looks exactly like him. So in the neighborhood, this guy started Quite a little kerfuffle. I mean, everybody was wondering, who is he? All right, let's go on. But he himself insisted, I'm the man. See, here's the one lesson we get from this. If you want to know the truth, go to the person that has the truth. Okay? We can talk about the chit-chat about gossip that we hear. If you want to know whether something or not is true, don't go ask someone. Go to the person that it's said about and ask them. And you know that would cut out most of the contentions. In fact, it would cut out all the contentions in the body of Christ and in the world. We don't need to gather over the fence and decide among ourselves what's true or not. Go to the truth. If you want to know the truth of Scripture, people, don't wait on me to preach on Tuesday or Joe to preach the weekend or Cord to preach on Wednesday night so you'll know some truth. Get into the Word of God yourself. Our preaching... Is simply to entice you and to stir up your remembrance of what you know and drive you to the Word of God in order that you may know God better. Stop worrying about the news. Stop worrying about everybody that thinks they're an authority on what morality and the culture should be and go to the truth of the Word of God and your fears will be settled. Your knowledge will be there and you will know. You know, one of the things for almost 50 years that I've been faced with, someone would run up to me and say, Preacher, do you know what they said? And, and you know, I say, Lord, will you forgive me? I'm fixing to get very (laughs) smart-alecky. I'll say, no. What did they say? And then when they tell me, and I'll just go, oh, oh my goodness. And finally, they learn that I'm making fun of them. But see, that's how you ought to react. Because number one, when you come to me, if you can't tell me who they is, I don't care what they said. right? And that's exactly the way you ought to be in living your life. Paul said we're to concentrate on the things that are true, the things that are lovely. But you know, if you want to understand why we live in a negative world around negative people, you listen to their negative talk and you understand that comes from negative thoughts, and so we need to get those out and if you 've got to be a little sarcastic, I have it from good authority, God 'll forgive you. guy said i 'm the man. How then were your eyes open? They asked. He replied. The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes. Now, are you visualizing this? These people, half of them are skeptics. Half of them don't understand because they know he was blind. And then a man called Jesus put mud in my eyes. I want to tell you, when Jesus, you come in contact with Jesus today, and Jesus is doing something in your life today, You know one major reason he's doing something in your life? So that when you tell your story, you're opening a door for you to tell people who don't want to hear about Jesus to talk about what Jesus has done for you. And they will ask you. You know, I have people tell me all the time, I'm bashful, I don't like to initiate conversations. Just go talk about what Jesus did for you and somebody... Somebody's going to ask you how. Somebody's going to ask you why. And that's the key right in there to talk about your Savior. Okay? Let's go. He told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed. Then I could see. Do you hear this guy's conversation? He's kind of like, I don't understand you people. I'm the man. He told me to, he put mud on my eyes, told me to wash. I went and washed. I can see. See, that's all he cared about. All these other details people were trying. Details that don't mean anything meant, meant nothing to him because he could see. Then I could see. Let's go. Where is this man asking? him? I don't know, he said. See, Jesus. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know where he was at. He had never seen Jesus. Because if you read the story carefully... He's blind. Jesus puts the mud on his eyes, says go wash. The guy leaves and that's going to be important later. All right. Let's go. They brought him to the Pharisees. Here's why they did. They said, let's go to our religious leaders because we don't know who this Jesus is. And this guy has obviously been healed. So our religious leaders, they'll know all about this brought him. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened a man's eyes was, say it, Sabbath. Sabbath. Jesus was really bad about doing stuff on the Sabbath. His disciples ate some grain, healed another man on the Sabbath. The issue is this. I'm going to tell you before we read it. Jesus broke none of the biblical Sabbath rules. What he did break a rule was the rabbinic additions to the law. Remember was there was 10 and then it went to over 900. He broke one of those laws. And here was the law. The only way you could give people medicine or help them physically is if they were dying. If somebody got something in their eye, you had to wait until the next day. To wash their eye out. It was against the rabbinic uh, law to heal on the Sabbath. That's what Jesus did. All right? Therefore the Pharisees also ask him how he received his sight. All right. The neighbors are asking him. Other people are asking him. We're here and the Pharisees. How would you get your sight? I love this part. He put mud on my eyes, man replied. I washed and now I see. Do you see how simple things are to him? See, it's like this. I was once lost. Now I'm saved. I was once blind spiritually. Now I see. That's the story of our lives. I was lost on the way to hell. Now I'm found and on my way to heaven. You don't have to complicate stuff, folks. It's not brain surgery. It's not complicated, the work of God in our lives. All right. I watched and now see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Wow, isn't that wonderful thinking? This guy did something we said was wrong, so he can't be from God. Now, a blind man from birth can see, but he's not from God. All right. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? And now they divided themselves. The people abroad in thought something, well, a sinner can't do anything like this. The Pharisees had boxed themselves into a corner with their unbelief. They were divided. They then turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes that were open. Let's put, put past the buck to him. Well, he was ready. Go ahead. The man replied, he is a prophet. See, this is a beggar, an ignorant beggar, never been to school, never seen Jesus, but he recognizes a prophet. All right? They still didn't believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Are y'all following this? I'm enjoying this. I love this, this is like As the Stomach Churns, one of those soap operas they used to have on TV. I can just hear the organ music in the back. Bing, bing, boom, bam, I mean, it, man, this is great. I think I might put this on TV. I think it'd be a great... This is the best reality show you'll see. Okay? Here we go. Is this your son? They asked... Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered. And we know that he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Let me explain something to you. These parents were absolutely terrified. Because they were going, if they testified as to what happened, they would be thrown out of the synagogue. And they wouldn't have another place to go to worship. They would have been excommunicated. They were not willing to stand with their son. What's the next thing they said? Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. Okay? His parents said this because they are afraid of the Jewish leaders. They already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. We're racing towards those times right now today, people. You may not believe so, but there is such a pressure. I can remember growing up that the name of Jesus was not talked about. It was God. And that was all right. And it was only until people began to pray in the name of Jesus. I have been to pl- I was asked to, to go into this, in this city, pretty large city, and pray for the city council meeting. And they gave me a list that long of things I couldn't say. And right at the top is I could not pray in the name of Jesus. And so I took my pen out and wrote, then I can't pray and handed it back to them and left. We're in that situation. The people, you need to get bold in small things. Because there's coming a day when you're going to have to be bold in large things. And it's it's in the small things that we always fail. These parents flunk the test. That's why his parents ask him, he's of age, ask him. A second time they summoned a man who had been blind. This guy's got to be tired. He's got his 10,000 steps in. Okay. Give glory to God by telling the truth. Can you see the piousness? Oh, give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. I mean, piety dripping off their lips. And here comes the beggar. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Are you afraid of your testimony of being lost and on your way to hell? And the simple matter was, one day you heard the voice of God offering you a way out, offering you a new life. Before that time, you was bound for hell and living without peace In a miserable life with no hope. But then Jesus called. And you responded. You see that's the difference between this dumb blind beggar. And his tremendous theological knowledge. And the gifted educated theologians. Who were rejecting Jesus. That's the issue. One thing I know. I was blind, now I see. I love that guy. Then they ask him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? This was kind of, go back to that. I just thought, see this. This is kind of a stupid question. He just said, I was blind, now I see. And they say, what did Jesus do to you? Well, they healed him, okay? Maybe I'm dumb, I don't know. They healed him. So he said, how did they do that? We want to know this. Formula, this incantation. Here's what the guy said. Told you already. And you didn't listen. Boy, I mean, this old beggar is getting in these people's face. You didn't listen to me. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> See, I was just saying yesterday to people, there's, there, is comedic, there is comedy in the word of God. Jesus, at times, is very sarcastic. Other times, very dry in his humor. There's fun, this is funny. He's asking these arrogant, snobbish, religious people, why do you want to know? Do you want to become a disciple? I imagine they came unglued. I mean, if they, they were just unglued. All right, let's go. What did they say to that? Then they hurled <laughs> insights at him and said, you are this fellow's servant's. We are disciples of Moses. Yes. Are you a Christian? I am a member of Tomoka Christian Church. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, Do you know Jesus? Are you following Christ? See, that's the issue. Cut to the chase. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses... But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. They'd already had that conversation with Jesus. Basically, theologically, they said, Jesus, where'd you come from? And he said, nowhere, because I ain't going anywhere. And they didn't understand that. All right. That was Greek, okay? The man answered now, that is a remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. The guy was implying, I'm talking to religious leaders. I know only God could do this. You don't know where he came from? Right. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He's saying, listen, I understand. I must know something you don't know. God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to godly to the godly person who does his will. That's his description of Jesus. He's a godly person who does the will of God. All right, let's go. Nobody has ever heard of the opening of the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. That is tremendous theological teaching from a blind beggar. All right, let's go. To this they replied, (laughs) this reminds me of a schoolyard with children. Because they're insulting. Your mama wears combat boots. And all these in yam, 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 yam. They're arguing about, let's say, the Florida, Florida State game, but then they go to hurling insults. Okay? You are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. That's wonderful evangelism. All right, let's go. Jesus heard what they had, thrown, that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, here's the invitation. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? He asked him that because he had never seen Jesus. He didn't know who had healed him. Who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Okay? Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Naysayers will say, well, this guy would have done anything because God healed his sight. No, I don't think so. Here's what I think. We forget that day, that time after we believed in Jesus Christ. It was an amazing thing. Every day I find it totally amazing. Not what God can do in the universe and creation and all of this. I find I easily accept that. I have a hard time wondering why he would accept someone like me. Why would Jesus offer the precious forgiveness of sin to the blood of his son? You see, that is a wow. That is a wonder. And you see, it was because this man knew that only someone from God could heal his eyes. And when his eyes was healed and he was standing in front of Jesus, here's the thing. He knew that he had experienced God. And perhaps he had gone to the synagogue all his life. And never experienced Him. Okay? Jesus said, For judgment I've come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. What was He talking about? Those that God responds in love and an invitation to come to Him, they'll see. Those that reject that invitation to come to Him, are blind next passage some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and said what are we blind too Jesus said if you're blind you would you would not be guilty of sin in other words if you didn't know this stuff you wouldn't be guilty of sin but now that you claim you see your guilt remains Let's cut to the chase. Matthew six, twenty two and twenty three. This is a very chilling two verses in the Sermon on the Mount. The eye is the lamp of the body. I read people's eyes. I, I can look at someone's eyes, and it doesn't matter what you tell me. I, I, I can see into your soul because they're the window to our soul. You can have a big smile and sorrowful eyes. And you're not happy. You're faking it. You're sorrowful. This is how the light gets into our life. It's the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That's one of the most profound questions you'll ever find or statements you'll find in Scripture. If what you believe, what you have banked your life on is wrong, it's darkness. And it's a greater darkness with you rejecting truth and believing a lie and placing your whole life on this, that is not true. It's a greater tragedy than that person that we talk about in darkest Africa that has never heard the truth. And you see, that's where American Americans are going to be paying the price. You can get the gospel anywhere you want. Walk on any corner, there's a church. Go into any store, there's a Bible. The truth is available. Do you know it? Have you received it? Do you share it? Do you believe it? And do you stake your life on it? Don't let the truth in you be darkness. Lord, as we come to you right now, we thank you. You are the light of the world. And though, Father, you are not with us physically, the light of the world is this word. It's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto our paths. Father, I pray today that there are not one person walk out of this auditorium lost and apart from Christ. May this be an opportunity of renewal of the truth that they have within them. It may be a truth that they need to be baptized It may be the truth that they need to know Christ. Whatever you're calling them today, let them respond as the blind man. And we ask this in the name of Jesus.